0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Dan Trotter, Pretty Good Bible Studies. We are now taking up Matthew chapter 14, the death of John the Baptist is the first part of the chapter and that will be the subject of this audio, chapter 14 verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus. Now, who is Herod the Tetrarch? This is not Herod the Great, of course, who's been dead since 4 B.C. And now we're in Jesus's adulthood. Now, this is Herod Antipas. He's a Tetrarch. Tetrarch comes from the Greek, a Greek form of that means four, and arch means the number. You know, primo, the first. He's the first uh, leader of a province of four. In other words, Israel was divided into four provinces, and Herod was in charge of one of them. Herod Antipas was in charge of one of them. The sons of Herod the Great, there were three sons of Herod the Great that took over when Herod the Great died in 4 BC. Her- uh, Archelaus was in charge of Judea and Idumea, which is around Jerusalem in- to the south in the Negev Desert. And then Herod Antipas was in charge of the northern area, north of Samaria there, uh, in Galilee, and then also across the Jordan River to the east of the Jordan River, down south all the way to the Dead Sea, and and halfway down the Dead Sea is Perea. So Antipas was in charge of Galilee and Perea. Now, if you look at the map and go straight east of Galilee, right over the Sea of Galilee, and to the north and south of the Sea of Galilee, but to the east of the Jordan River, that's the Tetrarchy of Philip, and his name was also Herod, Herod Philip. So we got Herod, Antipas, on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, governing Galilee, as well as Perea in the southeast. So Herod Antipas is in charge of Galilee. Herod Philip is in charge of the Tetrarchy of Philip. To the east, Herod Philip and Herod Antipas were brothers, sons of Herod the Great. So that'll get us oriented. Now this Tetrarchy of Philip was also called Itaria, Iteria. So that, that name comes up sometimes. So we need to remember Itaria or the Tetrarchy of Philip. On the east side of the Sea of Galilee. In the northern part of that Tetrarchy is Caesarea Philippi, the famous city north of the Sea of Galilee. Now there's a report that. Herod heard, it says in verse 1, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus. Jesus had started to become very well known by this time. John the Baptist had been in jail for about a year. Jesus had been ministering. His fame had been spreading. Mark chapter 6, verse 14 says this King Herod heard of this, this is Herod Antipas, because Jesus' name had become well known. And some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that's why supernatural powers are at work are in him. So, and this this verse in mark was after john the baptist had been killed we haven't seen his death yet which is coming in the next few verses but the point is is that while john the baptist was in jail the word had gotten out about jesus because jesus was healing people and teaching people all over the northern region of galilee there now the verse says at that time what time is this Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown say the time appears to be during the mission of the Twelve. Jesus had sent out a couple of chapters earlier in Matthew. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown also say it shortly after John the Baptist was put to death. Uh, he had been in prison for probably more than one year before he was executed, and Jesus' fame had gotten out. Now, how he died is going to be kind of like a flashback. In the next few verses, we're going to hear how John the Baptist died. But at the time of this verse here, John the Baptist has already died, and people... We're beginning to wonder was Jesus John the Baptist come back from the dead? Mark 16:14 Mark 6 verse 14 says this. the people were saying some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead and that's why supernatural powers at work in him. They thought that John the Bap- that Jesus was John the Baptist resurrected. chapter 14 verse 2 this is John the Baptist, says Herod. This is John the Baptist, he told his servants. He has been raised from the dead, and that's why supernatural powers are at work in him. So not only the people were thinking that John the Baptist had come back, Herod Antipas was thinking the same thing. Mark, our detailed man, says in Mark 6, verse 16, When Herod heard of it... That means he heard of all the news about Jesus and his doings. He said, John, the one I beheaded, has been raised. That little mention of the one I beheaded might indicate that Herod had a superstitious fear of what was going to happen to him and a guilty conscience, according to Adam, John Gill and Adam Clark. John, the one I beheaded, oh my gosh, he's come back from the dead. Supernatural powers are working in him, Herod said. Ironic, because John the Baptist, while alive, never did any supernatural powers. He only taught. He never uh, did miracles. Now, there's an interesting thing here. Herod Antipas obviously believes in the resurrection of the dead, or at least, yeah, he believes in the resurrection of the dead. If he thinks Herod, if he thinks John the Baptist has come back from the dead, well, some people think that Herod Antipas was a Sadducee, which would be quite ironic because Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And the idea is this thing scared Herod so bad that even he, as a Sadducee, believed in the resurrection of the dead when he wasn't supposed to. I find that highly doubt doubtful. I think it's an interesting speculation. Why do people think that Herod Antipas is a Sadducee? Well, they compare two verses, Matthew 16:6. Jesus told them, watch out and beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Mark 8:15 15, parallel passage says, then he commanded them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. And so what you have there is a parallel between Sadducees and Herod, and if you identify the two, you end up with Herod being a Sadducee. But the problem with that is it could be the yeast of the Herod's referring to the Herodians, the party of Herod, or it could be that there was three groups, Pharisees, Sadducees, and Herod. And that Mark Matthew mentions two of them. I shouldn't say three groups. There were three entities, Pharisees, Sadducees, and Herod. And Matthew mentions two of them, Pharisees and Sadducees. And Mark just mentions another two of them, Pharisees and the East of Herod. Just pick two out. There were two different ones. That doesn't prove anything that Herod Antipas was a Sadducee. That is a rabbit trail that's not worth too much, but it is kind of interesting. This fact that Herod believed that, Herod, that uh, John the Baptist had r- risen from the dead shows that or reflects the fact that the resurrection of the dead was a common belief among the Jews. They never had any problem with that like the Greeks. They believed in the resurrection of the dead. And as I said, Herod was probably probably superstitiously fearful and feeling guilty. John Gill says the murdered prophet haunted his guilty breast like a specter and seemed to him alive again and clothed with unearthly powers in the person of Jesus. I love the way John Gill puts things. Now, why did John the Baptist get killed by Herod? Well, we're going to look at that in just a minute. Here's the primary reason was, of course, is that John was chastising his immorality, which we'll look at in a minute, but there might have been a secondary reason. Herod may have feared the reaction of the Jews to his incestuous marriage. Again, this marriage we'll talk about in a minute. And since the Jews didn't like who Herod Antipas had married, what he had done in his domestic affairs, the Jews were more likely to revolt against Herod. And, of course, that would bring trouble with the Roman Empire, Herod Antipas' bosses in Rome, And John the Baptist was getting a lot of people to his side. That looks like a political revolution. We've got to stop this. So maybe he was personally offended by having his domestic sex life called out by John the Baptist, or maybe he was scared of a political revolution that John the Baptist might start. At any rate, he ended up killing John the Baptist. All right, but let's look at the details of that murder. Matthew chapter 14, verse 3. For Herod had arrested John, chained him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. That prison, by the way, is Machaerus. Well, at least Josephus says it's Machaerus, and most people believe it was, which is 16 miles, about 16 miles southeast of the point where the Jordan River runs into the Dead Sea. And you you can see it now. You can look on Wikipedia and see the pictures of it. There's some remains there. Why did Herod put John the Baptist in Machaerus? in the prison there was because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Now, this is where things get interesting. You almost have to have a chart to keep this straight. I finally memorized the chart because I was tired of getting confused by it. Herod the Great, who died in 4 BC, he had ten wives and he had a lot of children. Well, three of his sons are, are going to be involved in this story. One of the sons is Herod Antipas, the guy here who is who is just put John in prison. He was one of the sons. And then he had a half-brother. He had two half-brothers. Now, the interesting thing is both half-brothers had the same frippin' name. There was Herod Philip, the older one, and Herod Philip, the other one. <laughs> I'll just call him Herod Philip the first, and Herod Philip II, I think is what their call- names are. The first Herod Philip, and to make things even more complicated, sometimes he's called Herod II because he followed Herod the Great. But we'll call him Herod Philip the first. He married a woman named Herodias, mentioned here in verse 3. Now, Herod Philip I and his wife Herodias had a daughter, Salome. And Salome, by golly, married the other Herod Philip, the other brother of Herod Antibus, who had the same name as the first brother. So the second brother, Herod Philip, was married to the daughter of the first brother, Herod Philip. These people sort of remind me of of the people that Jeff Foxworthy talks about here down in the south. <laughs> Who have a sort of a fuzzy idea of the lines of consanguinity, but at any rate, what happened was, as we'll read here, is that uh, Herod got Herodias to leave to leave his first brother Herod Philip, and this is not Philip the Tetrarch, not the father of Salome. This is his first brother Herod Philip, who was married to Herodias, the mother of Salome. So Herod got the wife of his first brother Herod, the, his his brother Herod the Philip, the first Herod the Philip. He got his wife to leave Herod the Philip. This is while they were in Rome, and he did a little sweet talking, and got Herodias to leave his brother. Then Herodias married Herod. Well, this is what got John the Baptist upset, and John the Baptist would lecture Herod on this unorthodox marital arrangement. All right, so going on with the story, after Herod Antipas ditched his first wife, to marry Herodias, the wife of his first brother Herod, the F- Herod Philip, not Philip the Tetrarch, but Herod Philip. His first wife happened to be the daughter of a king, Aratas, who ruled Arabia Pet- Petria. That's the kingdom that goes from the borders of Egypt all through the Sinai Desert all the way over to the Babylonian desert, and all the way north to to uh, Damascus, uh, up to Syria, in that desert area down there. And it goes south down the Jordan. where P- Petra is the capital, which you can go see today. It's a United Nations landmark. I've been there. Uh, anybody should go see that if you get if you ever get a chance. So there was that the area. He, he there was the king there, and his daughter had married Herod Antipas. And all of a sudden, his daughter had gotten dumped for this Herodias usurper. Aradus was mad. He started a war with Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas' army was cut to pieces. Josephus says this is a judgment from God for the murder of John the Baptist. I don't know if that's true or not, but Herod Antipas got what he deserved. So, we go now to the question of what was it that was Herod Antipas' sexual immorality that John the Baptist was so upset about? Well, Leviticus 18.16 says, You are not to have sexual intercourse with your brother's wife. It will shame your brother. Well... Herod Antipas was having sexual intercourse with his brother Herod Philip I, wife Herodias. So he was breaking the law, plain and simple. But the next question arises is, Herod Antipas, was he Jewish? If he wasn't Jewish, the Jewish law would not apply to him. Well, he was ruling a Jewish area. He was of the Herodian family, which is sort of Jewish, because they started out being Indominians outside of the, of Judaism, but then Herod the Great, he was from Idumea. He ended up running, uh, ruling Israel and became very identified with the Jews, so you could sort of say they were Jewish. But, you know, it really doesn't matter because even if Herod Antipas wasn't under Jewish law, he was committing adultery by, by Roman law, even anybody's law, because he took another man's wife. And his first wife, the daughter of King Aretas of Arabia Petria, she was still alive. And uh, Herodias was, excuse me, the Herod Philip, the husband of Herodias, was still alive, and so he was committing adultery, straightforward. And so what he could have been, what John the Baptist could have been doing is, look, you're you're committing sin by marrying Herodias, and he was basically blaming Herod for adultery, not referring to that Jewish law. The fact that he was his brother's wife was just a detail that happened to fit within the Jewish law. It really doesn't matter. The point is they were sinning big time, and they were evil people. All right, let's go to verse four. Since John had been telling him, it is not lawful for you to have her, the sense refers to for Herod had arrested John. This is why Herod had arrested John, because John had been telling him, it's not lawful for you to have her. Now again, the law, it could be referring to that Levitical law, or it could have just been, you know, the law of the Romans, or the law, natural law, moral law, you know, you ought not to have her. I'm not really sure about that. But at any rate, we also learn from Luke, the parallel passage, that John the Baptist was getting on Herod Antipas' case for things other than his domestic life. Luke 3, verse 19 says this, But Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him about Herodias, his brother's wife, and about all the evil things Herod had done. So apparently Herod Antipas had been a real SOB, probably killed people. I don't know, actually I don't know exactly what he had done. But he had done a bunch of evil things, and so it was not just Herodias that John the Baptist was jumping on Herod Antipas about. Think of the courage it took John the Baptist to do this—to go up to the ruler of your of your province and say you are a sinful person. Can you imagine somebody doing that today in America? They would probably have the same result—they would be beheaded sooner or later. Somebody would behead them because we're living in the United States of Sodom and Gomorrah right now. And nobody seems to care. All right, let's go to verse five. Though in Matthew 14, though he wanted to kill him, though he John. Uh, excuse me. Though he Herod Antipas wanted to kill him, John the Baptist, he Herod Antipas feared the crowd, since they regarded him, John the Baptist, as a prophet. Now Herodias probably wanted to kill John too, and probably Herod had stopped Herodias's desires because he feared the crowd. He the crowd, the bunch of people loved John the Baptist, thought he was a prophet. And you're a governor and you kill a prophet, there's going to be consequences to that, perhaps riots, civil commotion, and so forth. There's other reasons besides fear of the crowd that might have motivated Herod to keep John the Baptist alive for a while, even though he wanted to kill him. He could have had a guilty conscience. He knew that John the Baptist was a holy man, was perfectly innocent. He could have been guilty about what he had done with Herodias. Or he could have had a superstitious fear that John the Baptist would come back and haunt him, as he's already said, oh my goodness, John the Baptist has come back. So these might have been reasons why he refrained from his natural desire to kill John the Baptist. And what were his reasons for wanting to kill him? For one thing, he's being rebuked as an immoral jerk constantly. uh, And also because uh, he's leading a movement that could cause Political unrest, which of course is a deadly fear, a deathly fear on the point of Roman governors. they don't want the Emperor to have start asking questions. Let's read the parallel in mark six twenty because Herod was in awe of John and was protecting him, knowing he was a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard him, he would be very disturbed. it would hear him gladly. Now here we hear a little bit more psychology, even though he knew that he was sinful, he was fascinated with John the Baptist because. John the Baptist was an unusual guy, very brave. He was a fire and brimstone prophet, and Herod would listen to that. He want, he on one hand he wanted to kill him, John the Baptist on the other hand he wanted to hear him speak to his sins. Said he heard him gladly. Now I don't think there's a problem here when 1 verse says that that in Matthew 14:5 that Herod wanted to kill John the Baptist and then in Mark 6:20 it says that Herod was protecting him. Because he did want to kill him. But on the other hand, he didn't want to kill him. He was conflicted. There's not a contradiction in the Bible, liberals. Liberal Protestants who deny everything good about Jesus. Matthew 14:6 through 7. But when Herod's birthday celebration came, and now we're going to get into the events that forced Herod's hand and made him make a decision as to what to do with his problem he had with John the Baptist. But when Herod's birthday celebration came, Herodias's daughter, that's Salome, she danced before them and pleased Herod. So he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Now, Salome's name is not mentioned. Josephus gives us her name, Salome. And as I said, she was the daughter of the first Herod the Philip, the half-brother of Herod Antipas, And she married the second half-brother of Herod Antipas, who was also named Herod the Philip. Really crazy. Basically, Salome was married to to her grand-uncle, Philip the Tetrarch, Herod Philip II, for Herod the Philip. Keep saying Herod the Philip. I meant to say Herod Philip, Herod Philip the First, and Herod Philip the Second. Okay, so, I know you're not going to remember all these uh, blood relations. She danced before Herod in this party. Now, this is a birthday party. Some people say it might have been an ascension party, went, went, uh, to celebrate his ascension to the governorship. I don't know if he's thrown john the baptist in jail for a while and he's supposedly been there about a year or so according to some people i question whether that's what it is but at any rate it was a party probably a birthday party uh the dance well why were the guests pleased and why was herod pleased well because the dance was obviously a lass of vicious at least probably niv study bible says unquestionably and i tend to i do agree with that Mark 6.22 adds the details Mark often does. When Herodias own daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. So she did a public belly dance of some sort. And Herod said, ask me whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. Now, Herod was pleased by this dance. Now, here's some options as to why. I just said because it was last of but it could, there's some other reasons, too, perhaps. It could be because he was shown respect and honor on his birthday, and, of course, of being a vain, proud ruler. He was happy with that. Another option... As to why he was pleased was because Salome was bright and cheerful. She apparently didn't mind too much that Herod had stolen her mother Herodias away from her father, Herod Philip I. Didn't bother too much. And, of course, the real reason was as her dancing was sensuous, Now, like how John Gill, in old-fashioned language, puts it, quote, the airs, gestures, and motions of the lady in dancing, which were so extremely fine and regular that she gave wonderful satisfaction and delight to Herod and the whole company. Well, that balderizes, that euphemizes it pretty good. I think that she was probably shaking her booty to put it in uh, modern language, and Herod fell for it, got himself in trouble. Now, Herod said he would give her whatever she asked. There's a little detail again added by Mark, a detailed man. Mark 6, verse 23, says, so he swore oaths to her Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. So whatever I give you up to half my kingdom, that should not be taken literally, according to the NIV Study Bible, and I agree with that. It was a proverbial reference that referred to generosity. I give you everything I have up to half my kingdom. and You don't take that literally. If Salome had asked for half the kingdom, Herod would not have given it to her. And Herodias, when she was, later on we'll see, she was asked by Salome, what shall I ask for? If Herodias really thought that, Herod Antipas was literal about it, she would have said, give me half your kingdom. Perhaps she would have, but no, it was a proverbial expression. And Mark also adds this detail, he swore oaths to her, a plural oath, more than one oath. He must have really been uh, fascinated by that dance. Matthew 14:8. and prompted by her mother, this is Salome's mother, she, Salome, answered to Herod the Great, give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. And you can imagine, Herodias was chomping at the bit, saliva dripping from the corners of her Cruel mouth, hot dog! I've got a chance to get rid of this man who's going around call, calling me an adulterer all the time. Now, it does not say a silver platter. It, I don't know why, but whenever you hear the story, you think, "Give me, give me his head on a silver platter." It doesn't say silver platter. It was a flat wooden dish upon which meat was served. It doesn't say it was silver. She answered very quickly. Uh, by the way, when Salome asked, she, she she didn't want Herod's mood to change. Go in there and ask for his. Well, it doesn't say that. We can we can assume, we can speculate that she went in there and said, Quick, for his mood change, while he's still in his cups, give me John the Baptist's head. Mark 6.25 says, Immediately, so that's where we get the idea that she did it quickly. Salome did it quickly. Immediately she, Salome, heard to the king and said, I want you to give me John the Baptist's head on a platter right now. In other words, let's don't mess around about this before you change your mind. Now, Herodias had probably already determined to ask Herod at some point. Probably, I suspect, she's been pushing on him for a while to get rid of John the Baptist. So this was her chance. She was prepared. The answer came quickly. Yes, I'm going to do it. Salome, in asking what her mother Herodias wanted, proves that she was just as lascivious, revengeful, and cruel as her mother. Note how coolly both the mother and the daughter discuss cold-blooded murder. Well, to show that there is some justice in this life what was the end of Salome she was walking on a river frozen in the winter and the ice broke she fell in and the pieces of ice cut off her head this is from the ancient historian Nicephorus and we're assuming that he's stating the story accurately and it's not a, a myth then then that means Salome got her head chopped off makes a great story even if it isn't even if we can't determine for true whether Nicephorus was accurate or not Matthew chapter 14, verses 9 through 10. Although the king regretted it, see, he didn't want to kill John the Baptist for various reasons. As I said, he feared the people. He had a guilty conscience. He was superstitious. But he had done it, he says, because of his oaths and his guests. In front of all those people he had made the promise, there was no way he could back out on that oath because then his oath would have been disregarded and he could not have ruled the kingdom. So he had to do it. He sent orders and had John beheaded in the prison now, he did it in the prison secretly instead of openly because that's less chance to get the people angry at him. Now, he regretted doing it, as I said earlier, because Herod had a certain respect for John. He, as we said in Mark chapter 6, verse 20, Herod would listen to him and be disturbed and yet would hear him gladly. So he kind of had a love-hate relationship with John. All right, so here's some, let me go through some options besides that as to why Herod regretted having to kill John. As I said, uh, all right, let's just go through them one by one. First option, he had a certain respect for John, as I just said. Option number two, Herod was worried he would incur the wrath of the crowd who thought John was a prophet. I've mentioned that too. Third option, Herod's conscience was bothering him because he knew John the Baptist was an innocent man. I've mentioned that one too. Here's another option I haven't mentioned. The fourth option, Roman leaders had a superstition against executing people on a leader's birthday, and it was his birthday. And Herodias was saying, I want his head on the platter now, on his birthday. Ooh, I hate to do it on my birthday, but because of my oaths in front of all my guests, the oaths were taken, so I better go ahead and do it, even though it's on my birthday. But that would be a check to his passion, a check on his desire to kill John the Baptist. Fifth possible reason he regretted his killing of John the Baptist, he was galled to find himself entrapped by his own folly. He got suckered by seductive dance, which is pretty embarrassing. It's interesting. He took oaths before his guests. So, in order to 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 substantiate his oath, in order to keep his oath, he committed murder. To avoid perjury, he committed murder. Let's talk about this beheading here. Uh, a little in, a little interesting speculation here. Some have said that Herod colluded with Herodias from the beginning to get Herodias to ask for the for the head. In other words, Herod really wasn't sucker by Salome. This was all a frame-up job. In order so that Herod would have a public reason for executing John, he, he could say to the crowds who were angry at him for killing the prophet, he could say, look, I made an oath. I didn't know what Salome was going to ask me, but I made an oath. There was just nothing I could do. I'm so sorry. This would, of course, lessen the opprobrium of killing John the Baptist. That's an interesting speculation by John Gill. I don't believe it, but it's, it is interesting. Matthew chapter 14, verses 11 through 12. His head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. Then his disciples came, removed the corpse, buried it, and went and reported to Jesus. Now, since this all happened in one night, the jail must have been very near to where the banquet was, so the banquet was probably held at the castle at Macarius. Herodias' triumph over John the Baptist was short-lived, however, because shortly after she and Herod Antipas were banished by the Romans to Lyon in southern France, and they died there. This is according to Josephus. Now, the, the disciples removed the corpse. This shows that the disciples had freedom of entry and exit from the prison and also they probably asked Herod to give access to the body and Herod didn't want to cause trouble so he said sure take the body and so they did it and besides that before that we know that John's disciples would would take message to John in prison about what the Messiah was doing then he would send a message back to Jesus we've already mentioned that before so there was no problem with getting access to John the Baptist in the prison now, why did they go report to Jesus, the disciples of John the Baptist? They went and reported to Jesus, according to this verse, verse 12. Well, because the disciples had been trained by John the Baptist to respect Jesus as the Messiah. I mean, after all, he baptized him publicly in the River Jordan, and he said that the one coming after me, I'm not unfit to tie, untie his, his sandals. So, yeah, they went to report to Jesus, and now John the Baptist's disciples probably became Jesus' disciples. doesn't say that, but it's a good, reasonable speculation. Adam Clark has an interesting comment about Herodias. There is no person so revengeful as a lascivious woman who is reproved. Her honor was at stake, and she had no honor. John the Baptist went after her and paid for it with his head. The interesting thing is is that Jerome, the famous guy living in the 5th century, spent a lot of his time living in Palestine, translated the Catholic Vulgate. Jerome says that when Herodias got the head on the platter, she drew out... John the Baptist's tongue, and pierced it with a bodkin. A bodkin is a heavy needle with a big eye that they used in sewing back then. He pierced his tongue with a bodkin. In other words, you're not going to say anything bad about me anymore. Well, that's a colorful story. I don't know whether Jerome was right or not, but it's an interesting story. Verse 13, Matthew 14, When Jesus heard about it, heard about the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there where he was by boat to a remote place to be alone. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. All right, now, the disciples of John the Baptist have now met up with Jesus, and we're now going to talk about the feeding of the 5,000. I think I'll hold that until the next audio. Hope you enjoyed this one.